koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is koinonia. This is community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Maybe it was Newsboys I was hearing in my head. I don't know. It was something rhythmic. Uh, good afternoon. It is time for us to talk helping boys thrive. We've uh, chatted about this on numerous occasions, and you know where my heart is. Uh, we, we we need to be raising up our boys to be men. Uh, I believe that's not only our responsibility as parents, but uh, culturally and societally. Uh, Terry Lynn, I know you've been excited about uh, this event. Uh, you've been excited about this entire process, but uh, welcome in. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here today. I am so excited to have Michael Gurian here today. He is um, a New York Times bestselling author. He has written 28 books. They're in 22 languages. I believe that was the last count. And he's going to be the keynote speaker at the Helping Boys Thrive Summit tomorrow. And so he just flew in, uh, came right to the studio, maybe got to his hotel. I'm not real sure about that. And we are excited for the next hour. Well, I'm really glad that you're taking time to get off the plane and be with us, Michael. This is... uh Something near and dear to my heart. Now, I, I don't have children, so I get to speak with authority as a non-participant. Uh, and, and that always is safe because then it doesn't ever come back to bite me, right? You know, uh, saying wonderful ideas and theologies and then having to go home and raise my own child. I don't have to do that. So I'm cheating a little bit. But uh, what brought you to um, this ministry? What What made you say, hey, this is a need... Uh, I think God's given me the uh, the the direction here. Yeah, well, it started it started personally with my childhood. I had a complex boyhood, and you know, some other day we can go deeper into that. But it's very complex, and so it certainly sensitized me uh, at a kind of a soul level that that I needed to pay attention to this for other boys for the future generations. Mm-hmm. Now of course I have daughters, I have grown daughters. So it expanded <laughs> beyond boys of course. It's yeah. about children and men and women. But that was the personal. Then the um the professional was when I was in college and in graduate school, the dialogue was very much about gender roles in terms of male female it was very much about gender roles which is which is a really valuable dialogue still is. But I wasn't seeing study of science and gender, and I was really fascinated as a young philosopher in in that. Uh, what was the science? And I think it was mainly because we lived overseas quite a bit when I was a kid, and wherever I went, I could see that I, as a American boy, was able to play with like village Indian boys in India within seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with girls more complex for me at five years old. In right. other words, there was something going on, male, male, and female, female. Right. So later I started studying neuroscience, and that brought me a depth uh, of, of understanding. One of the comments that I made the last time we were talking about this uh, event in particular was, you know, uh, we're, we're equal, not the same. And, you know, uh, our society starting in the 60s, started to make us the same. And that's just not scientifically true. Yeah, I, I, I guess we can all see why that happened back then. The sad thing is that for some folks, it's still that way. Mm. You know, you can't have equality without sameness. Back then, it, I, I think it, it was important because we didn't even know the science of it. No one knew. And, and so there was the sociological assumption right. that we could just say males and females are the same, except for the 
the reproductive. But of course now, you know, I'll show scans tomorrow of the male and the female brain, and you know, it's very clear that we're we're quite different, uh, but we are equal. Yeah. Well, we're going to continue this conversation and uh, give you some information about how you can participate. Oh, yeah, and we have this guy hiding over in the corner right. that we didn't let talk for the first <laughs> I, in fact, had his microphone turned off because I know how <laughs> he likes to just take over the conversation. Uh, but we'll bring him on uh, once we return. You're listening to Koinonia. This is Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Just so, just so you know, uh, we'll find out more about that in a minute. Helpingboysthriveaz.org is where you can go to register. It's tomorrow at the Salvation Army Croc Center. Great facility, and uh, you just got some good news about where we're going to be. So your stress level, Terry Lynn, went down. Uh, that's good uh, always, uh, but you can still register. And w- for the remainder of this hour, we're going to talk about why you may want to be there. And uh, we'll go down the list of speakers, but we have the keynote speaker and host with us now. Terry Lynn, I'll go ahead and let you uh, introduce Tim, even though, you know, I, I kind of snuck in uh, when he filled in for me here on Koinonia. He had a very, very special guest. So I, I thought I would, in that honor, play that bumper music. But go ahead. Well, now I'm intrigued. Like, there's more to this story, and I want to hear it. But, you know, we have to stay on task, right? Sort some of, people at least just try. know people. I mean, you know, that's some right. people just know people. That's right. hmm. Even big rock stars, which that's what it was considered mm-hmm. back in the beginning. B.J. Thomas Very was good. a friend, and he had him on when he was Ah, here. awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, um, as we began, I had the pleasure of introducing Michael Gurian. But the only reason why I know Michael Gurian is because of Tim Wright. And... Um, Anyhow, he is a local pastor here. He's a senior pastor of Community of Grace, and he has been passionate about this subject now for many, many years, and I'm excited for him to have some dialogue here with Michael. In fact, before we started, I thought they were going to do this arm wrestle thing about who was going to talk the most, but anyhow, they've got a great story of how um, they connected, and Tim, do you want to just start us on that? Sure. I was... um in the process of transitioning from Community Church of Joy, where I'd been for 22 years, just to planting a new church, Community of Grace. And early on, I read a book by David Merle called Why Men Hate Going to Church. And it was eye-opening. It was just fascinating. So I had him come and speak at our church, and he spoke for eight minutes, held four or five eggs in his hand, and as he spoke, he dropped eggs, and his topic was boys. And when he was done, he said, in the last eight minutes this many boys have left the Christian church. Mm. And he said, the statistics tell us that 70 to 90% of all boys will leave the Christian church in their teens or 20s, and most won't come back. Well, he had my attention. Mm. So I started reading everything I could get my hands on when it came to boys. And one of the first people I looked up was Michael Gurian. I'd remember reading an article about him in USA Today, 
So I read uh, one of his books, The Wonder of Boys, and I wrote him an email. And you'd never expect these New York Times guys, to, you know, <laughs> the bestsellers to get Especially back to Especially somebody way out west. Yeah. So I wrote him an email and I said, you know, you've done such great work helping educators teach to a boy's brain. Uh, the church is really in the education business in many ways. Would you be able to help us? And he wrote me back the next day. And um, we started talking. He was very excited about it, possibility. And we entered into a partnership. And uh, about two or three sessions into our partnership, he asked me the question, what do you want to get on this? What is What does the church need? Hmm. I said, I think we need to write a passage program for boys. Hmm. And so he had written a book called The Purpose of Boys, where he laid out an outline using the word heroic for a rite of passage program. So we took that and together created a Christian rite of passage program for boys uh, ages 13 to 15 and for their dads. I think the genius behind it is the dads go through it with the boys hmm. because a lot of boy, uh, men, dads have never been given a vision for manhood. So they do this together. We give them the tools to do it together. We ended up writing one for girls as well. And we've been partners since. We've created other products together. We're... Uh, created a new summit for boys, helping Christian boys thrive, which we'll talk about a little later. So it, it's just been a privilege. Every time I sit with Michael, and, and we've been together a lot, I always learn something new. Mm-hmm. And it's just the guy is a wealth of information about uh, how boys' brains work, girls' brains, how to maximize what we've learned. And um, and he's a good friend. He's just an all-around good guy. That's pretty good. Thank you, Tim. I, it's, he was nodding in agreement the whole time. There, so. <laughs> I was good. expecting. Yeah. No, right. So um, what was your thoughts then, Michael, as he was reaching out to you and you were wanting to expand this really into this um, church environment? Yeah, it was it was great for me because I um, I see this this um, work as as being very grassroots. So. I'm so when people approach me, I'm always trying to say yes, you know, because I feel like it's it's obviously beyond me. It's it's bigger. And and um, I had been getting email, especially since the Wonder of Boys, I had been getting letters and then email about, uh, you know, can you do something for the church, that kind of thing. Hmm. Uh, But I, I, you know, I wasn't qualified for that. I'm not a minister. And then so when Tim reached out, it was just great. And it's now we think it's been about eight or nine years ago. And it was just great. I was hungry to get to know him. And, of course, he's a wonderful man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've spoken at, at the church and attended services. And just the whole, all of it is so wonderful. And then our, our programs that we build together always emanate from our, I think, both of us having this kind of grassroots self and wanting the grassroots to tell us what's needed. And then we satisfy those needs. Again, uh, you can register for this event tomorrow, Helping Boys Thrive, AZ.org. Maybe this is the first you've heard of it. Uh, don't miss this opportunity, Helping Boys Thrive, AZ.org. Find out more about all the speakers and uh, the lineup for tomorrow. It's going to be at the Salvation Army's Croc Center. Terry Lynn, um, this is a passion of yours, mm-hmm. too, and uh, I've, we've heard their story, but why is this? Uh, you know, you're in here as mom. Uh, why is this a passion of yours? Hmm. Well, actually, it was Chuck Fitzgerald who um, first approached me at a, um, the Arizona Council for Faith-Based and Community Initiatives meeting, and he said, I've got something I want to talk to you about. And, you know, you do Hope Fest, and I think maybe you'd be interested in doing this event. Mm-hmm. I thought, interesting. And so when the meeting was over, he began to describe helping boys thrive to me. And I began to cry. Mm. 
I'll try not to cry now. But I raised four boys part of that time as a single mom who were all diagnosed ADHD, wow. conduct disorder, all, you know, just all these labels. And they were a handful to raise. And I always knew they were just boys. Mm. That somewhere in all of they're just boys. Right. And, um, you know, they've grown, gr- they've grown up. They have successful lives, you know. So, but that, that time period was really rough. And so I told Chuck, oh, my goodness, like, I'm in no matter what. Like, mm. this is, I want to do this. And yeah. so then... I, uh, that's how I met really Tim and then Michael Gurian, who sent me books. And I read all the books and I read Tim's books. And I was like, this is what we need. And I promote it all the time because we must help our boys. And I don't know that we realize all the time what's actually going on until we start hearing the stats. Right. There was a video, that, a video link that was sent to me and I wept through the entire video mm. because I realized this is critical. Yeah. So it's an honor I'm very, very honored to be friends. I consider both Tim and Michael friends and to be a part of something so amazing. I think in our society, there's a real dearth of men uh, that understand what that really means. You had talked about, Michael, that uh, some of this came from your childhood being complicated and complex and causing issues. My father uh, died two months before my 15th birthday. Mm. And so I, and being a strong-willed only child... Uh, you know, I kind of knew I, that I knew everything that I needed to know and left high school early to go be a big uh, radio star and all of these things lived on my own and then started to grow up a little bit and realized, boy, I missed a lot of things that I should know. And in just this moment of uh, divine intervention, I actually went in the Army mm-hmm. when I was 21. And uh, it was good. It was healthy. Uh, learning some basic uh, manly things, if you will, uh, being committed to your coworkers, being uh, disciplined, things of that nature that really would have been wonderful to have learned from my dad, obviously. So how important is dad in the family unit as far as raising from boys to men? Well, one of the things, like working with with Tim on this project and the rite of passage, we were really clear. And Tim really brought this uh, intensity, too, to make sure that dads are connected. And I thanked him for that because because some of this has to go through the dad. And if there isn't a dad, a father figure, there there needs to be a male. And, And Terry Lynn, we've talked about it, about how raising four boys alone is tough and and a mom gives everything and there are still certain things that we need the dad. And so, so I look at this also from a scientific point of view and, and the stats are really clear that most people who are in prison, et cetera, uh, were raised for a long period of time without fathers. So the science and the statistics are very clear on that. Uh, what, it, why the society doesn't grab this and understand it. Sometimes it's, it's sad, you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, there are politics involved. There are all sorts of things involved, economics involved, but it's, it's, it's a bottom line. The fa- the lack of the father attachment, uh, new study just came out. Uh, lack of father attachment has a profound impact on both girls and boys and lack of father attachment is connected to just about every other issue. And males, uh, are more fragile uh, the we we talked. I know Tim and I have talked about this for years. We discovered somewhere around thirty years ago that the Y chromosome it's a more fragile chromosome than the X. The Y being male, and what it does in the brain, um, it, cre- it creates less fail safes for social emotional development in the male brain than females have. So if you take away 
father attachment and and or if father is dead or gone, you know, surrogate male, mm-hmm. some kind of father mentor male attachment. If you take that away, it's even harder on males than females because the female brain has these fail safes and a lot more pathways for social emotional. But males need that. So that's just one little scientific nugget of why this father attachment is so important. And we in this society have kind of neglected that. And I go back to my opening statement of uh, uh, equal but not the same. Uh, when you're being preached at, well, you know, having, um, you know, a mom in there, a woman can do anything a man can do, and if they're good, they'll be successful. Uh, that's not the true ultimate development for for males, right? I mean, it just like you said, you got to have the other male influence uh, for boys to develop properly. Yeah. Uh, certainly, I mean, if, if a single mom is listening to this and her kids have turned out really, really well, we're not saying you know right. she didn't do it. She did do it. Uh, at the same time, it's really, really hard, yeah. and especially if you have three or four boys, you know, I can't. managing Terry that. Lynn's story is always inspires me. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I took my mom to Israel, and uh, this uh, last October, just as another reminder to me how tough I was on her. You know, just, you know, when I thought I was cool and riding a motorcycle to work, you know, at two o'clock in the morning uh, to go be on the radio, I didn't see a problem with that. Right. But mom, she's going to worry. Right. Right. You know, so it's like and I didn't take that into account. Right. You (laughs) said she had a rough go of it. Still does on occasion, as a matter Mm. of fact. But uh, we're going to continue this discussion. Helping Boys Thrive. The 2015 Summit is tomorrow at the Croc Center. You can get details and register at HelpingBoysThriveAZ.org. That's HelpingBoysThriveAZ.org. This is Quinania. You're listening to Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ, Helping Boys Thrive HelpingBoysThriveAZ.org is where you can find out more information. You can register, and you can join us tomorrow from 8 to 4.30 uh, at the Croc Center. I just want to run down, Terry Lynn, some of the uh, uh, the lineup of speakers that you have. Now, we've already met Michael, who is uh, the keynote speaker. Tim is uh, going to be our event host. That means you're going to be with a mic almost all day? Yeah, that's right. But I'm going to keep it on time. We'll, we'll be out by 10 tomorrow night. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> and like Tim's that. also doing a workshop. Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, he's also doing uh, a, a, a talk on raising boys into men, rites of passage, which mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's one of the things that drew me to his information originally. Uh, Vance Sims is going to be uh, one of the speakers. Vance has a program here on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ on Saturday evenings. I've... Uh, Actually, emceed a few of his Father Matter events, but uh, Vance, a great advocate for manhood here in the Valley, wouldn't you yes, agree? Yes, he is. Absolutely. We're thrilled that he is speaking at the summit. And uh, we also have, um, let's see, Dakota Hoyt. Is that yes, right? Yes, yes. So she has been the co-founder of the Helping Boys Thrive Movement uh, Summit, both. And um, she is, her history is education, and she's just this amazing woman with a wealth of knowledge. And she... Her workshop provides people um, immediate tools that they can use as they engage with boys. So it's very practical. It can be used in the classroom. It can be used in a church Sunday school class. It can be used by parents. So 
And and top notch. Every one of these workshops is by professionals that are really good at what they do. And the next speaker, Katie McPherson, she's going to be talking boys and bullying, mm-hmm. how to raise socially competent boys. I talk about this on uh, with uh, counselors from Focus on the Family here on the program a lot about how social media literally has changed uh, how parents raise kids. Yeah. It's a lot harder, I think, to raise yeah, kids than it I used to be. I can't even imagine. There's so many things to watch out for. Um, so we're really excited to have her doing a workshop this year. I met her recently um, and was so impressed with her character and her enthusiasm, and we're very excited to have her on board. I should have asked you how to say her name beforehand, but is it Addie Goldberg? Addie. Addie. Okay. Addie is speaking, working with boys and men in therapeutic sessions. That's right. Go ahead. Yeah, and I'll, uh, I brought Adie into this. She and I have worked together for about uh, 25 years, actually. Mm. She was originally from Spokane, where I live. Uh, incredible therapist. She's been a therapist over 30 years. And uh, about 10, 15 years ago, started seeing, you know, like I was. I mean, we see the issues with boys in therapy. And, and it's so hard to hold boys and men in therapy because, of course, the profession is set up. Come in, sit in my office and talk. And, you know, it's not as good a fit for males. And she's, she's going to give all sorts of practical strategies for social service folk, counselors, case managers, any involved in social services. Great. Again, helpingboysthriveaz.org online. That's helpingboysthriveaz.org. It's uh, 8 to 4.30 tomorrow at the Salvation Army Croc Center. Great facility. Uh, in fact, I'm going to be out there. I'd love uh, if you're listening now and you come out tomorrow, uh, come up and say hi to me. I have a special gift just for you hmm. uh, at this event as well. So, uh, Terry Lynn, but uh, let's finish out with uh, some hardcore content here because there's lots to talk about. Yeah, so I was kind of sharing about boys and trying to raise them and understand them and how they were often misunderstood. And I, and I, in my heart, I knew they were just being boys. And so the first time I heard Michael Gurian ever say that there's an issue, a lowering of testosterone um, and how that affects boys. And they actually, there's this weakness. I'm, this is me talking. Mm-hmm. You'll have to straighten mm-hmm. me out, Michael. But anyhow, You're great. I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense at all. And if you're listening and you, yeah, it's very counterintuitive. So if you're listening and it kind of was like, what was he just saying? I I would really like to spend some time having you explain that more. Okay. Yeah. So obviously the headline, the cultural headline is if we could get testosterone levels down, we'd have less violence. And that's been the headline for many decades. The the science, however, is just the opposite. Um, Yes, it's true that like the Arizona Cardinals, those guys have um, higher testosterone than most males. That's true. But uh, you don't, don't want that testosterone to fluctuate too much because they're built for that. Well, in the last 25 to 30 years, our testosterone levels, especially in the U.S. Uh, for males, have gone down um, 30%-ish. 30%? Yeah. So, I mean, there's some studies show 30 to 40. Some say 25 to 30. Wow. So I just average it at 30. So that's a huge drop. That is. And the problem is that if you drop testosterone that much in one generation, these cells are, the cells are set up mm. to accept a certain amount of testosterone and process it through. And uh, what we get is more depression and more violence because male depression um, causes male violence. So it's more complex than testosterone is an aggression chemical, therefore it's a violence chemical. Um, violence, right, is a learned behavior and it can come through psychosis. And some of what we're seeing, I think the impact of this on our nation is the shootings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be having 
a, sh- a shooting like San Ber- I'm sitting here now with the San Bernardino one. Mm-hmm. There'll be another one somewhere else tomorrow. They'll mostly be males. Don't know exactly what was going on in San Bernardino. But it's mostly going to be males, mm-hmm. and they're going to be killing people. And and folks don't realize that what we have is a perfect storm. Not just the father loss, right? I mean, not not just the social emotional, but we now have bio- biology that's invading the development of males. So testosterone goes down. The cells are hungry for it. They're trying to find it. They can't find it. The brain development doesn't occur in the way it needs to, um, because testosterone is the dominant chemical for males for growth of body and brain, etc. It's it's bad. So what I beg people to do at a practical level, I beg people who are raising sons. To look at this and to look at plastics, to look at the, the, the food that they eat and see how, how many of these endocrine disruptors are in the food. So if it's, if it's um, you know, meat that happens to have been shot full of oh. a lot of, of uh, these, this estrogen. Of estrogen growth yeah, hormones. Yeah, watch out because um, it's, this won't affect every male. Not every male is going to kill people. That's not mm-hmm. the point. But if you see under-motivation – Right, which is which, which I tail on to depression under motivation. Uh, that's partially result of this, and then if you see violence, that's partially result. Of course, you have to have confluence of other things, but it's a bad baseline to raise males uh, of a generation with thirty percent less testosterone, and it will this will only get worse. So this generation, we and this generation have to have to f- force people to look at this in government, in business, and then in our own lives, what we can control, just keep them away from these plastics and these um, these foods that have a lot of estrogen. Hmm. It's powerful. You know, and as I listen to you say that this, I think about how important diet was with my boys, mm-hmm. that they really needed to eat right. Mm. And um, so I, there's just a lot to say about that. I'm really pondering this whole concept, but it makes tremendous sense, and especially in light of what we're seeing. So um, as we talk today, is there, are, what other things do you really want for the listeners to know? Like what's deep in your heart about key things to know? We need to know about the lowering of testosterone. We need to know what other things. Mm. Well, gosh, <laughs> if you ask me a question, you know it. Um, uh, well, okay, and, this, and Tim can help with this too if he wants. I really think that, that it's crucial that people look at raising males in character communities. So I character communities, a church is a character community, a community that's focused on developing character. And this goes to our heroic model, and it goes to what we were talking about with the rite of passage. The males are hungry for character development. And while while all of us want to focus on emotional development of Mm -hmm. males, because we all care about that in our professions, and we should always do that. Males are not waking up every day wondering, should I cry and talk about my feelings today or not, Mm. right? That's really a, their emotional development is going to be in the process of their lives. And we're going to hopefully all help them to have a variety of ways of being emotional. They are, however, waking up every day wondering what a man is, because that is survival for them. And so part of that is emotional. Part of that is character development. They're very interlocked. But in our dialogue, we tend to talk about emotional development or character development. I'd love to see them more interlocked, and I'd like to see us spend more time talking about character development, which happens in these communities. And I call it a three-family system, nuclear family, extended family, and then community. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole thing we're going to talk about tomorrow. And all of these speakers, we're all trying to enhance the way each of these communities helps instill good character, strength, growth, 
we're trying to help boys obviously become loving, wise, and successful men. Mm-hmm. And that some of that has to come through the conduit of the character community. And so one of the things that, that I really was so glad when Tim approached me is that if the more males leave church, synagogue, mosque, et cetera, the more males who leave those communities, the less clear we're going to be that they're going to grow up to be good men. Mm-hmm. So I'm obviously not forcing any religion on anyone. I just, but people just have to realize that these young males wandering alone without these, these multi-generational communities that provide character, that's a recipe for some failure and some destruction. I think it's pretty easily stated that uh, if you raise up boys following the Ten Commandments rather than the top ten MTV video list, you're probably going to have a better member of society. Mm. Is I mean, that's not a stretch, right? Well, I, I think what you're hitting on is is what Michael is saying. that, And, and this was one of the great things I learned from Michael. W- girls, as they're growing into womanhood, have biological markers to help them know they're becoming women. Men don't, boys don't have that. Uh, we have things happen to us physiologically and physically, but there's not that that moment that says, I'm now becoming a man. So generations really throughout history have understood the need to train boys to be men. And it takes men to train boys to be men. Women play a vital role in in boys becoming great men. But a man builds a boy into a man. Mm -hmm. And that's what rites of passage do. We're training boys how to be good men. And if they don't have those rites of passage, they'll make them up. And so on college campuses all the time, you're hearing about boys going Absolutely. through their own rites of passage, right? Yep. Boy, it's how many girls you can sleep with, how many cans of beer you can hold, and they become they become destructive because you have the blind leading the blind. You've got, you know, older college boys who don't know how to be men trying to teach younger college boys how to be men, when, and so they share their ignorance. And this is where faith communities are so very, very important. Um, in the Christian church, there's a wealth of wisdom in men sitting there waiting to be used. And I just did an event up in Denver where I said the primary purpose of men's ministry is to raise the next generation of boys to be men. Hmm. The problem in is men's ministry, we're playing catch-up. We're trying to teach grown men how to be men. Hmm. And somehow we have to make the shift to train our grown men to be men and at the same time pour masculine energy good masculine energy into our boys. Wow. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. There's well, so much work to be done. And that's just a, that's just a tiny taste. Uh, that's why if this is important to you, if you're going, wow, I desperately need help, then I have a place for you to be tomorrow. And it's at the uh, Helping Boys Thrive Summit at the Croc Center. You can get more details, helpingboysthriveaz.org. That's helpingboysthriveaz.org. You can still register and join us tomorrow morning at the Salvation Army Croc Center. We've got another long segment uh, to learn more, and this is helpful. So stick around. I so don't want to get in the way of our last 13 minutes uh, long conversation here just to say helpingboysthriveaz.org is where you can still register for tomorrow's Helping Boys Thrive Summit at the Salvation Army Croc Center from 8 to 4.30, helpingboysthriveaz.org. So during our break, we were having some great conversation about how we typically think 
uh, that we're going to make change through culture. And Tim, I'd like you to kind of kick us off on that continued conversation about there's a different way to look at it. Well, we've talked a few times already today uh, about the the prevailing view that men and women are not only the same, but they're equal. And that's starting with a certain uh, perception of how male-female works. Michael's got a very different model for understanding men and women that's honoring to men and women, but starts at a very different point. And uh, we tend to start with culture and nurture. And, uh, Michael, talk a little bit about the the Gurian model Mm -hmm. for understanding male and female. Yeah. Yeah, so so we all agree that women are equal. I mean, that's a starting point for everyone. So it's not – so that's a definite – the sameness, of course, keeps coming up. And the way that I tried to figure this out, I started looking at this from this brain-based point of view about 30 years ago. And so I, I just committed myself to starting with nature and then looking at nurture and then looking at culture uh, rather than looking at culture first. So when someone says um, to be equal, you must be the same, that's a cultural assumption. It can't be uh, – nature doesn't – say that. Right. There's no way science can say that. But a culture can say that. So a group in a culture can say that in order to push an ideology. And again, like I said before, 50 years ago, it made absolute sense to push that that way. But now we have the science. So we know that men and women are equal, but we're not the same uh, because we now have the science. So I'm really glad. I feel like 30 years later, this makes sense, that if we start with nature and then do nurture, then culture, we're going to end up creating systems that understand the nurture, uh, sorry, that understand the nature and therefore they nurture the nature of these kids. Mm. So my key phrase, the Gurian phrase sort of is nurture the nature. And I've written a book of that title to try to get at this, nurture the nature, figure out the nature of the child. So practically speaking, um, a parent might throw a kid into 10 activities because that's our culture, right? Mm -hmm. Just throw that kid into all these activities, right? And see what sticks. Okay, so that could work. But uh, by the time the kid hits 9, 10, 11, the brain actually starts pruning, and it prunes cells based on the genetics of that person. So, for instance, talent set. Not everyone is born with the same talent set. That brain has a certain talent set. So what we hope is that by 9, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there, as puberty is about to hit, we have a sense of that talent set. And so I beg parents to cut out two or three activities and help that brain and that soul, that self, focus on that talent set. Similarly with way, the way that person does emotions. We, we learn the nature of this child, then we nurture that nature. And I think if we don't do that, the problem is we overstress kids, and that's bad for their brains. And also we create systems like um, schools or, or churches or synagogues in which we don't understand the nature of these kids. So schools, for instance, will, have, will, will set it up without realizing it toward the female brain, and then 20 years later, they'll wonder why males get 70% of the Ds and Fs right. in that school. Yeah. Well, they didn't understand that the male and the female brain don't learn the same way. So you males have to move around. And in a classroom of 25, uh, our research shows you're going to have five males who it's really important they have these strategies or they're going to get Cs, Ds, Fs. If they get these brain-based strategies, they can get Bs and As. But if they don't, they'll fail by seventh grade. They hate school. Well, that's a system. Great people, nice, good people. But it starts with culture. doesn't start with nature. So I'm obviously begging people to start with nature and then move out to nurture the nature and then form a culture that supports nurturing the nature. I'm over here grinning like a banshee because I had my own desk in second grade in the hall. (laughs) Right. You were in trouble like I was. (laughs) And and I got pushed through all the grades whether I did the material or not because my test scores or testing scores were high. But I never did. I never learned to actually 
follow through, do homework, things of that nature, basic things uh, for the workforce, if nothing else. Uh, the other thing that I'm just I'm fascinated by because I know very clearly that nine, ten years old is when I knew I wanted to be in radio. Mm. I, I, I'd been singing. I'd been doing a lot of some other things. I played sports, obviously. Being uh, from the uh, from Oklahoma, you know, you got to play football. You got to do all those things. Uh, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. And any time that I've gotten away from it, it has been painful. And I I start. It's like okay, I need an outlet. I I, I need I, if it's not a microphone, what is it? So these all these things are just the dominoes are or you know everything's starting to fall into a little. Uh, understanding slot that it's like, wow, this is just fascinating. And I don't know where I've heard it in culture. I, you know, we have a tendency as a society, uh, I, I call it, you know, the, uh, a lot of people do, the, the swing of the pendulum. As we mm-hmm. get information in the 60s and 70s, oh, we should be equal. Well, that pendulum swung so far out that, oh, we're the same. And, and now with the science, it's bringing it back. But is it coming back? Is the pendulum coming back to people agreeing that we're not the same and how can we change that? Or is that the battlefront still? Well, I think the great thing about Christian communities is that, that there's a resonance and and Jewish communities too, by the way, there's a resonance between the science and the Bible. So um, if we like, that's, that's part of what Tim and I did. We took, I brought the science, he brought the Bible. Mm. And if you look at it, I mean, obviously the Bible everywhere is talking about how, um, you know, men and women are both valued and they're not the same. And um, so I think Christian communities are a place where the pendulum is definitely going to swing back toward the middle, which is, I think, going to be more of a nurture the nature model, because I think that's what the Bible is saying without having the science. The Bible is saying, you know, there's some, there's God in this child. There's divinity in this child. Uh, nurture that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Tim can speak better to this, but Jesus would be a model of a child right. that had divinity coming right. into the Christmas season. That, so you'd have to speak better to that. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think what's, what's really interesting in, in all of this is the amount of energy we put into our girls in the 60s and 70s to get them caught up. And... Um, uh, some of the research says that girls caught up in 1982 hmm. and it started passing boys. But what's interesting to me that I think partly what holds back this conversation, so, Michael, this, I'm throwing this out now for the first mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Women seem to be able to enter into the man's world so much easier than men enter into a woman's world. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wonder if there isn't kind of an assumption because women can move into our world so easily that the assumption is, well, then men ought to be able to move easily into a woman's right. world, and that's why we're not only equal but we're the same. Hmm. Yeah, beautifully said. Uh, that, I think, goes straight to the science. The, You know, the we mentioned it a bit earlier about the female brain and the male brain. The female brain is a much more elastic brain. It's got more fail-safes. It has more pathways between various parts of it. It's also a white matter brain, and I'll just in one second explain that. White matter is what connects various parts of the brain to each other instantaneously. The male brain, we'll talk more about this tomorrow, by the way. The male brain is a gray matter brain. Males are using up to seven times more gray matter activity to do the same task. Gray matter is in splotches in the brain, so it's in specific parts. So females are doing an activity in all parts of their brain. Males are doing that activity mainly in one part of their brain. And this speaks to what Tim's getting at. So females, once you open a, like schools, well, to be mm-hmm. practical, once you say, okay, look, schools have been male dominant, you know, many females didn't even get an education. So that was absolutely right. true. We had to change that. So 100, 
and certainly 50 years ago, we looked at schools and said, let's move schools to an equal footing. So what we did is we moved them more toward the verbal literacy platform. A lot of words, talk about words, feelings, all of that. The female brain adapts immediately to that, loves that. And it's one of the reasons females surpass males in school in just about every area. Male brain's a gray matter brain, right? It's doing things in one part of the brain. And if, if we can't get at that one part of the brain, then it's not going to learn these things. Mm. And, um, and that's very important to our professions, to the workplace. And this young generation of males we're raising up to be good workers. We don't want to go into that just saying, well, as, as Tim said, well, look, women moved in within 20 years. Uh, you guys should all become nurses now, or you guys should all become uh, kindergarten teachers or whatever it is that we culturally say they should become. Mm -hmm. We need to look at them and look at the white matter and the gray matter difference. And that's robust worldwide. So that's all cultures, all racial groups. Female brain is a white matter brain, more white matter, male brain, and more gray matter. We got to look at that and integrate that, or we'll keep creating this myth, and we'll have these young guys going into workplaces, and they're not even prepared for a job that they themselves could do, mm. you know. Um, so we can open the world up to women, and we have, and we can keep doing that, but we have to understand the male brain better, or we'll lose a whole workforce. We've mm. got three minutes left. Tim, what do you want to make sure people in the audience know right now? I want to make sure that people understand that this is all good news that God created us male and female, and that the male represents the image of God, the female represents the image of God, but the male isn't the whole story, the female isn't the whole story. We need both. If you want to know what God is like, then you need male-female. However, we have some real challenges in our culture today with the image of God male. Mm. And I'm convinced that next to the, along with the education system and parents, that the church can be a champion for boys. Uh, because as Michael said, um, for Christians, we have Jesus. And, and to call boys not to have a relationship with Jesus, because that's more feminine language, but to call boys to follow Jesus on the bold, reckless adventure of changing the world, well, that speaks to the way that they were created. Yeah. It speaks mm -hmm. to testosterone, which I call their superhero fuel. Um, and so our boys need a vision, and I think... Uh, the church is one of the greatest places to give boys a vision that taps into their superhero fuel and um, gives them a purpose for life. And that's to change the world. That's why they were created. That's great. Beautiful. Michael, 90 seconds. Wow. Well, I don't think I can do it. That was, that was wonderful, Tim. Um, I, I agree with everything that Tim said, and I hope that, the, that Christian communities will find in this science that this is the tip of the iceberg, what we talked about today, that this is, you know, this goes so deep into the human soul. Uh, and the Bible and brain science, I've, I've, I see them matching in maybe 98%. There's maybe 2% they don't match, but 98% they're matching. So part of my mission as a human being is to try to work more and more with faith communities, and specifically here with these people in these ministries, to try to bring all this together, because I think people need both. They need the whatever speaks to them spiritually, and they need whatever speaks to them you know, from a sort of scientific, practical point of view, secular point of view. I think they really need both. So hopefully that's what we're doing. You can join us tomorrow, helpingboysthriveaz.org is the website uh, for registration, getting more information about the speakers. It's at the Salvation Army Croc Center from 8 to 4.30. Again, that's tomorrow. HelpingBoysThriveAZ.org. We'll be back for our uh, closing prayer right here on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. This is Koinonia.
short time, uh, we have uh, HelpingBoysThriveAZ.org. It is the Helping Boys Thrive 2015 Summit. We we could do another hour pretty easy, uh, but you, we're going to do all day tomorrow. You can still register, HelpingBoysThriveAZ.org. I am just so thankful for the time that we've spent together. I think this is a vital subject that we need to be discussing. I did want to mention just ever so briefly that in October, there'll be a Helping Christian Boys Thrive Summit. But tomorrow is huge. So be praying for the event tomorrow, that people's hearts are touched, that they catch the vision, and that they want to do something to move this towards an initiative and not just an event, but we're really seeing it happen in the schools. And One churches. of the things that I'm excited about mm-hmm. tomorrow is we're going to have school administrators. We're going to have uh, church members. We're going to have government officials. Yep. There's going to be from the cross section of culture is mm-hmm. going to be there. Uh, and this is, this is how things start, right? This is how change happens. Uh, Terry Lynn, as is uh, we want to do here, uh, praise out. All right. Oh God, we are just so thankful for who you are and for your character and that you love you love us and that you love and care deeply about our boys and our girls and god we just ask that tomorrow you would just make this event amazing that that there's no technical issues or challenges that everyone speaks what they need to speak and that the hearts are moved and stirred and that we see forward momentum that grassroots momentum take place from this event We're just so grateful for this time together. I'm so thankful for Tim and Michael and Tom and just these great men. So um, that's kind of it, Lord. Just just see us through this. Amen. 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 Well, we have uh, uh, a podcast of this program. We're going to get it up right away. So you can find it uh, on social media, uh, on all of mine, which is Tom Brown AZ, both Twitter and uh, Facebook. Uh, or on Faith Talk 1360, and it'll be on the CityServe probably by the end of the day as well. Yes. Uh, in fact, why don't you real quickly give, if somebody wants to get in contact with you, and it's not related to this, mm-hmm. how, do they, how do they do that? I always just give out a very short email address, tl at cityserveaz.com. Again, that's tl at cityserveaz.com. Tim, Michael, thank you thank so you. very much. Thank and you as so always, much. Terry Lynn, thank you. Wonderful job. Thank you. Thanks. 